August 12th through the 16th, we are having a quest here in Michigan. Yeah. Yes, and what better way to come back for a church camp out picnic thing than fresh off of a quest? Let me tell you that this is not a retreat because retreat, I don't like that word because it, it gives off the meaning of what it says, retreat. We don't retreat, we go forward. Um, it is a week alone with your father and it will change your life. Absolutely. Guaranteed, it will change your life. I've had the privilege of uh, serving on many of the quests. I'll be serving on this quest, and it is life-changing. So see Rob Martin if uh, you're interested, and if money is an issue, uh, there's sponsorship available. Right. Yep. Um, and so we don't want any man to miss out on this opportunity, okay? Cool? Amen. All right, you got it? I'm going to be looking at you guys. I'm going to be saying, hey, what's up? Did you sign up, man? Don't make me come after you. I, I, uh. <laughs> So I'll just give you a little update of what's been going on with me and the Conquerors International Strength Team. We've been having a great time breaking stuff, breaking strongholds, destroying demonic uh, opposition. We recently, this year, went to our most fruitful missions trip ever. We went to the, the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. Now, these guys were hitting me up on Facebook, and they were saying for about maybe three years, yeah, you've got to come to Pakistan and preach the gospel. And my attitude was like, if Jesus himself shows up with two angels with swords on fire and says, thou shall go to Pakistan, I might consider it. <laughs> but, uh, homie, ain't going there, man. I ain't going to be on no video or nothing like that, you know. So one day I was sitting there, and this guy, Pastor Asher, was... Um, FaceTiming me or Facebook and, and the spirit of God came on me and I had such peace and I found myself typing him saying, yeah, sure, we'll go to Pakistan. <laughs> and my spirit had full control of my hands because my head was going, what are you doing? <laughs> so we ended up going over there. Uh, somebody who I've become uh, good friends with is Robbie Dawkins. He came with us and it was a smackdown on the enemy. We had over 66,550 people make decisions for Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. We were on Shine Star TV, which uh, televises not only nationwide in Pakistan, but 80 surrounding countries. And we had an average viewership of 10 million people, all in the 1040 window. Amen. That lights my fire right there. <laughs> straight up in the enemy's backyard. Uh, I, I got some pictures to share with you guys from, uh, from that. If you can get those Pakistan ones, pictures up. Uh, they'll come up there. Oh, no, not that. <laughs> That's for later, don't worry. <laughs> it's the crowd shots. Uh, so we, we, did, uh, we did leadership uh, conferences with some of the church. We did the whole church of Pakistan because the church is not very big there. It's a 99 point, uh, nope, not that one. <laughs> uh, anyway, if, if it comes up, if, if, if not, it's all good. But we had, um, uh, we had a, one, two, two crusades in Karachi with over 50,000 people in attendance. 40% of our crowd was Muslim. And the Muslims are hungry for Jesus. And 
was miracles like I have never experienced. I've experienced some pretty cool stuff in my 15 years of ministry in 30, over 38 countries. But where it is darkest is where the light shines the brightest. So when you are encountering a dark area, and I don't just mean geographically, I mean it might be a dark area in your family. A dark, wherever there's darkness, that's what you should run to instead of run from. Because you got the light in you that the darkness needs to flee, and the only way it's going to is if you show up and be a torch for Jesus. So this morning, I want to talk to you about how to witness. What does it mean to be a witness for Jesus Christ? We're all disciples of Jesus Christ. And the definition of a witness is the attestation of a fact or event, one that gives evidence, specifically one who testifies in a cause or before a judicial tribunal. One asked to be present at a transaction so as to be able to testify to its having taken place. One who has personal knowledge of something, something serving as evidence or proof, i.e. sign. Jesus set the standard for how we are to conduct our lives. Not ministry, but how we're to conduct our lives. Jesus, he spoke the gospel, and then he demonstrated the gospel. He said, if you don't believe me, look at the miracles themselves. They attest to that I am who I say I am. Um, there's two ways to witness, and they're both valid and they're both biblical. Proclamation and demonstration. Okay? The scripture says in Matthew 24, 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. This is in the Passion Translation, the same verse of scripture. Yet through it all, this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after this, the end of the age will arrive. John 5, 36. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. In the church today, we have some of the finest and some of the best preaching on the face of the planet in America. There's no lack of preaching the gospel in America, but there is a lack of demonstration. Come on, that's right. Mm And the job of the fivefold ministry is to train and equip the saints to do the work of ministry. That means y'all. <laughs> John 5.36 in the Passion Translation. But I can provide a more substantial proof of who I am that exceeds John's testimony. My miracles. These works which the Father destined for me to complete, they prove that the Father has sent me. Now, we can either do good deeds in Jesus' name, or we can let Jesus do deeds through us. Yeah. Come on. Right? That's the You know, if Jesus was from America, he'd be from Missouri. 
the show me state. Jesus put his money where his mouth was. Everything he said, he backed up with power from heaven. John 10, 25. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. In the Passion Translation, I have told you the truth already and you did not believe me. The proof of who I am is revealed by all the miracles that I do in the name of my Father. In Acts 1.8, but you, believer, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And finally, Acts 4.33, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. You see, it's hard to be a witness to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, which defeated sin, death, and hell without a demonstration of that resurrection power. All the power of the Godhead resides in each and every one of you. God, he who is joined to the Lord, is one spirit with him. That means Jesus and you are one. You're one spirit with him. That means everything that he possesses, you possess. The Holy Spirit is within you, and he ain't there to sit around and watch you live life. He is there to live life with you and through you. So it's time we get off our blessed assurance and start advancing the kingdom of heaven. Yes. Now, I'm an evangelist, and one of my main roles as an evangelist is to support and build and help sustain God's work in the earth in the, in the local church. I love the church. The church is Jesus' outpost on earth. I am all about the church. But I do not center my life around the church. Because the church is temporary. It has a beginning and it has an end. I center my life around the kingdom because the kingdom is eternal. It has no beginning and it has no end. So much of our lives, our spiritual lives, we center around church. And there's nothing wrong with participating in church, uh, coming to church. A matter of fact, it's biblically required that we forsake not the gathering of ourselves together. Okay, so this is not a dig on church. This is not saying, oh, I'm just a kingdom now. I don't have to go to church. No. The church is an outpost. You know, in wartime, they have outposts where the soldiers come in to get ammunition, to get food, to get supplies, so they can go back out there and fight the battle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So God wants us to be witnesses of him. We've experienced something that's changed our lives forever. 
We experience that moment in our life when Jesus became real to us. Where he became more than a guru or a religious figure. Where he became real and he came into our lives and he totally wrecked us for him. Okay? But so many believers today have lost their passion. They've lost their fire, their fervency. They've let laziness creep in spiritually. You know, we live in one of the most successful countries on the face of the planet, and everybody is focused on success, and there's nothing wrong with success, but success is not as good as fulfillment. There are so many people that I work with on a daily basis who are uber successful, but they are less than fulfilled. I take fulfillment over success any day. And the only way you can really be fulfilled is if you are living a vibrant, living, on-fire life with your Savior, Jesus Christ. Living the life. There are two hindrances to witnesses, to witnessing. These are the main ones right here. These are the only two things. You write this down right here. You deal with these two things, you, you, it's on like Donkey Kong, all right? Ain't no fun when a rabbit's got the gun. Number one, the way we see others, and number two, the way we see ourselves. Mm-mm-mm. We need to treat people the way God sees them. We need to deal with people the way God deals with you. Instead of pointing out all their faults and their failures and their sins and their this and their that and, 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 and getting all judgmental about it and saying, oh, I can't believe that person's doing that. You should show grace, mercy, love, kindness, all the fruit of the Spirit extended to them because that's exactly what God does to you when you mess up. Right? Freely you receive, freely you give. It's funny how God gives us all these things and we give the opposite to others. We have to see people the way God sees them. And we have to see people the way God sees us. He doesn't see us in our mess. Our sin doesn't exist in his his eyes. I remember it was some years ago, and I was getting ready to go and preach, and it was, a, it was a big deal. It was like one of the biggest ones I've ever done before. And, of course, the day before, I screwed up, and I screwed up royally. And don't worry, it ain't none of your business what I did. <laughs> but I'll never forget pacing in the green room, and I was like, man, Lord, how am I going to go out there after I, you know, and he's like, what are you talking about, son? I said, man, you see what I did last night? Come on, Lord, how are you? He says, what are you talking about? I said, you see everything you know. He said, when I see you, I see my son. I don't see sin. Wow. Man. It didn't give me a a feeling of, oh, I can go do what I want. God sees and he doesn't see that. No, it gave me a, a, a reverential awe for who he is. I was so thankful that he would use a screw-up like me. And he'll use a screw-up like you, too. (laughs) We're all screw-ups. Okay? That's why Jesus came on the cross. 
deal with the sin issue. I'm not minimizing sin. I'm not doing any of that stuff, so don't get into that. I'm not into that hyper-grace stuff or anything like that. But we put too much focus on sin instead of the Savior. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. If we can't see ourselves the way he sees us, we won't be able to see others the way he sees them. Faith speaks. You know what I've trained myself to do? We have many habits, right? All right, habits, they happen. 73 to 96% of everything we do on a daily basis happens without our conscious awareness. Happens from our subconscious. It's habitual, right? So you have to program yourself into new habits. So whenever my feelings are negative, my mouth is positive. Whenever a situation speaks to me negatively, I speak positively. Instead of letting situations dictate my life, I speak to the situations. I tell them what to do. Because I have authority. Jesus died on the cross not so that we could have a ticket to the sweet by and by. Because I got news for you that we ain't going to sweet by and by. Sweet by and by is coming here. On this earth. This is where he's going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to set up shop right here, where we're at right now. So don't be waiting for the train to go to glory. You, you, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> we confess we are saved and thankful for his forgiveness and his work on the cross. But our, the way we live our lives... Is a contradictory. We don't live like we're thankful for it. Our beliefs about ourselves often deny his work of redemption. The number one thing when I'm when I'm ministering with believers and stuff that I get, well, well, I'm not this, fill in the blank. Well, I can't fill in the blank, whatever you want. Here's here's a news flash. It's not about you. The only thing the I needs to do is die. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right? It's not about me. When I encounter a situation, I'm like, oh, good thing I don't have to deal with it, God. <laughs> it's all you, baby. It's all him and it's all me. You know, uh, I heard Bill Johnson one time say, you know, he went up and complimented a singer and just got done singing. And, and he said, man, that was beautiful. That was some of the best singing. I mean, that was so anointed. And the singer said, oh, no, it, it wasn't me. It was Jesus. And he's like, uh, it wasn't that good. <laughs> if Jesus was singing, universes would be created. <laughs> You need to take it down a few notches there, sister. How is it when we do something good, when we do something in obedience to the Bible, we, give all, we, we, we want to say it wasn't me, but every time we do something bad, we say it's all us. Uh -huh. mm. Something wrong with our paradigms. We need to change it around a little bit. Right? It's all God and it's all us. 
I'm going to tell you this. God instituted it this way. He cannot do one thing on this earth without partnering with one of his children. That's true scripturally and it's true experientially. Because if God could do something without our participation, this world would be totally different. But he's partnering with his kids. It's time for us to partner with him. We've got to start looking at people not as sinners but as captives. When I see somebody who's in the midst of sin, horrible sin, I don't say, look at that sinner, oh, look at that evil person. I say, look at that captive. How can I set that mug free? Come on, brother. Father, what do you want to do about this? You can't go out and try to try to do everybody. You, you still have to take orders from your commander in chief. When I when I first started in ministry, I was so zealous, but I had no wisdom to go with my zealousness. And I was running ragged. You know, if the enemy can't push you out of the back of the boat, he'll push you out of the front of the boat. I got so busy, caught up in the work of the Lord, that I forgot about the Lord of the work. When I see somebody or situation, I have to ask, Father, do you want me to do something about this? What, and if so, what would you like me to do? And I will do it. If he says, no, I don't want you messing with it. All right, cool, I'm out. See ya. Simple. Because if I go messing with something that he didn't assign me to, then it's all me. Uh-huh. Mm. And it's going to be messed up, trust me. <laughs> We have to see ourselves redeemed in order to bring redemption. We have to see ourselves redeemed. Our past is gone. It does not exist. Your past only exists in one place. That's right here. There's not a thing you can do to change it. You can't relive it. You can't do over. It's gone. It has no existence. Here's Here's another thing. Your future, it doesn't exist either. It never does. There's only now. Now, what you do now has an effect on your future. But there is no, when you're, tomorrow will be now. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm scrambling some brains now. (laughs) You didn't think this would be exercise in thinking, huh? Two weeks from now will be now. You only have right now. See, the enemy's strategy is to get you so caught up in what you did before or get you so caught up in what's going to happen in the future that you forget the power of the moment you're in right now. I'm telling you what, I am so sick and tired of the devil robbing the body of Christ from its true potential. It makes me mad. Hmm. Galatians 3.13 in the Amplified Bible, Christ purchased our freedom and redeemed us from the curse of the law and its condemnation by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus became sin and he bore the curse of all sin so that we could become the righteousness of God and receive the blessing of a righteous life. Your righteousness has nothing to do with what you do or don't do. Do or don't do. It's all a bunch of do-do. 
You can't strive to become something you already are. That's an exercise in futility. The Bible says you are the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what you are. Whether you feel it, whether you act like it, or anything, that's what the scripture says the reality is for you, and that's what it is. And the sooner we get a hold of this, and the sooner we bathe our thoughts in that fact and that and get our speech to line up with it our behavior will follow we got to quit letting our flesh dictate our walk with god our feelings are fickle they come from this thing man i can't wait to get rid of this thing <laughs> mm mm and there's only two things needed to witness. Two things. Acts 4, 29 through 30. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. This should be every time that the scripture is proclaimed Signs, wonders, healings, and miracles should happen every single time. Amen. If we read the scriptures, that's what happened every single time. Jesus ministered. Jesus did uh, a third more demonstration than he did proclamation. But there was never a time that he proclaimed the gospel without demonstrating it. Or validating it. He was being a witness. So you don't believe I come from the Father? I'm a man. Can a man do this? No. These, look at that. That's, that'll validate. Otherwise, we're just another anity, another ism, another philosophy among many. What separates us from all the other things is the power. That's right. Hallelujah. This is in the Passion Translation, same verse of scripture. So now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. Empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. Yes. We need two things, boldness and speech. Boldness, courage. Courage means doing what's right in the presence of fear. If you're waiting to get all comfortable and get all ready to step out and do something with somebody, it's wrong. L let me tell you this. Nothing lives in the comfort zone. Everything dies in the comfort zone. Your dreams, your hopes, your aspiration, your passion will die in the comfort zone. You know what, it, it, sound, it was really counterintuitive for a lot of years, but I'm making a practice right now, I'm in the midst of right now, being as uncomfortable as I can. Putting myself in uncomfortable positions, I'm building habits in me to be uncomfortable. And the one area that's really hard for me is the food area. The fasting thing, I've implemented fasting back into my life, and I used to make jokes about, yeah, I fast, I eat real fast, <laughs> But 
But my flesh needs to suffer. My flesh needs to die. Those desires that keep getting me in trouble, they need to go. They need to be crucified so that the spirit man can have ascendancy, not just in the pulpit, but everywhere and every time. So I'm going to share with you some stories. <laughs> Holy Spirit. I'm going to share with you some stories to encourage your faith. And then, and then we're going to do some demonstration. Amen. Okay? So that first picture, you can bring that up with me and that young lady. This is, uh, this is Keely. Now, well, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me set the tone first here. I've been ministering the gospel for many years, and last year I went to something called Power and Love. That's where I met Robbie Dawkins and uh, Todd White and everything. And during his session, the Spirit of God was moving so strong. I mean, I haven't felt his presence like that ever. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, Mike, you're a really good professional Christian. And I said, what, Lord, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, you'll move in the anointing when you're in the pulpit or on a crusade. But when you're in the grocery store, you can care less about the people dying around you. Man, I got cut to the heart. I'm on my face, screaming at the top of my lungs, snot coming out, crying, repenting before the Lord. I got up and I said, no more, Lord, no more. Gloves are off. Those of you who follow me on Facebook, that's my tag. Gloves are off. I'm going to put you on display from now on. You highlight somebody to me, <laughs> nobody's safe. <laughs> nobody's safe. I mean, it, it's become a lifestyle. My kids, my kids are like, oh, yeah, dad's, dad's praying for somebody again. Dad, we really want to get there. Can you, can you not pray for anybody today? <laughs> My wife, she's real introverted, and uh, we'll go into a store, and she'll look at me, and she'll say, are you going to? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, it ain't up to me. If I see somebody, though, or she sees me scanning, and she's like, all right, I'll be over in aisle six. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> because I had to realize that before I'm an evangelist, or before I'm in the fivefold ministry, I'm first of all a disciple of Jesus. Amen. Disciples do what Jesus did. So we're in Australia, and I went to the Billabong store. Just to give you an idea, you know, some people think, you know, what's, do you get a word? Does a light shine on people? Sometimes I get a word from the Lord. Sometimes I get an unction in my spirit. And this particular case, this was Keeley. We're in the Billabong store. And, man, this chick had the sweetest tattoo I've ever seen. She had shorts on. And she had this Indian head. It was on. It was so colorful. And, I mean, it just popped out. I was like, whoa, that is a sweet tattoo. Where did you get that? And I started a conversation with her. And in my spirit, prophetically, I could tell that she was very new age. And she's telling me about it and everything. She's all happy and all this stuff. And, 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 then, and then the Lord gave me a word for her. I said, Kaylee, Keely, this is, um, I says, you know, you, you put on a good front, like you got everything together. But inside, you're at your wit's end. You're about to lose it. And she looked at me, 
And she started to tear up. And I said, is that right? And she goes, yeah. And I said, as a matter of fact, you have a dream that you've given up on recently, like really recently, because you, 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 you think you're never going to see it come to pass. Then the tears really started coming. I said, is that correct? She says, yeah. I says, the reason that dream won't happen is because the author of the dream wants a relationship with you, and he's the one who put that dream in you, and the only way you're going to realize it is if you come into a relationship with him. And she says, how do I do that? Funny you should ask. <laughs> I says, you invite him into your life right now. I said, do you want to? She says, yes, I do. Prayed right there, letter to the Lord. Amen. Bam, right there. Whoop. Good. Now, you know, I've, I've kind of told these stories, and some well-meaning believe, well, well, who's going to disciple her and all that? I'm, I'm like, look, the Holy Ghost is a big boy. Yeah. Okay? Amen. I think he can do a lot better job than any of us can in all of our religious piousness. I could have went up to her, and it would have been valid. Let me tell you this. This is valid. This is a biblical thing, too. I could have went up there and witnessed to her by saying, hey, don't you know Jesus loves you? That's the truth, right? You shall know the truth. The truth will make you free, right? I could have told her that. She could have said, yeah, right, I've heard that a thousand times. <laughs> but she never had a demonstration. She knew that there was not just me speaking to her at that moment. She knew that God was speaking to her through me. That cut through all the stuff, right? Bam, straight to the heart, right through, bam. And some of you are like, oh, I wish I had that gift. Let me tell you, you have all the gifts within you because you have the gift giver within you. Well, I don't know. He doesn't move in me in that gift. Well, you never step out and give him an opportunity to. How's he going to move in some if you don't take the step forward? Faith is not a, a mental assent to a doctrine or a creed. Faith is action. It's a verb. Faith equals risk. That's what it is. The, the, the disciples, they were under threats. They were going to get killed. Killed. You, you, they whooped them and they said, you preach this anymore, we're going to kill you. Just like we killed your Savior, we're going to kill you. And what they do? The Lord, grant us boldness. We need your power. <laughs> Stretch forth your hands. We don't know how long we're going to be here, but we're going out with a blaze of glory. Who? <sighs> Some of you are going to get lit up today. <laughs> get lit up. Next picture. Ha <laughs> ha. I was in Nordstrom's with my wife, and uh, this was one of those times. <laughs> and I see this family, I find out later they're from Africa, as if you can't tell by the garb. And, um, and uh, you know, I looked at them, and, 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 and I, I looked away, and then I looked again, and I couldn't get my attention off of them. And so I was like, okay. And then my wife picked up on it, and she says, oh, I'm going to be over here. And uh, so then I, I kind of did, a, I, I did a little, a little, uh, little uh, recon. 
I kind of went over there and pretended like I was looking at something to make sure, and yep, I felt drawn to him. So I went up to him, and the daughter, who is from America, who lives in America, she spoke English, and uh, I says, somebody here has a lot of pain. And she looks at me and she says, excuse me? Yes, somebody here has a lot of pain. I just, I just felt it in my spirit. Now, see, you have to be cunning as a serpent, yet gentle as a dove. I did feel it in my spirit. The Holy Spirit's in my spirit. He was telling me. I don't go over there and say, hey, the Holy Spirit. You know, you know, that, that might, you know, I'm trying to get in. I'm trying to infiltrate the lies and the things that have been constructed in their mindset. And, uh, and she's like, and the mom looks and says, yeah, yeah, my, my, my knee. She pulled her thing up. It was swelled up like this. I says, well, if you'll allow me, I'm going to lay my hands on that. I'm going to pray, and Jesus is going to heal it right here, right now. And the, way, the daughter says, we're Muslim. I says, it's okay. Jesus heals Muslims too. And she looked at me, she said, okay. She talked to her, she said, okay. So I laid my hands on her, and as I'm praying, I can feel her leg going down. <laughs> then she's walking around, and she's, <laughs> and then, so I'm all fired up there. I said, it's on now. <laughs> Nordstrom's is in trouble. <laughs> so then the dad, you know, the husband, he comes up to me, and, and I'm like, oh. And the daughter interprets and says, he, he wants prayer for him. He has back pain. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I start praying for him in the name of Jesus. And I get a word for him. I says, uh, you have a mantle of leadership on you. And your leadership can go to a whole nother level if you'll switch gods. And his daughter was standing there with tears in her eyes. And she's like, uh, yeah, my father's a leader in his village. He's the head of his whole village. And they came over here because there's a lot of trouble and stuff. I said, yeah, tell him. If he switches gods, he'll be, he'll be the best leader that he was created to be. Boom, just like that. Prayed, have a nice day. No, no, I didn't invite him to church. <laughs> I didn't invite him to church. I didn't, I didn't get him somewhere where they can get discipled. I did what Jesus does. I never one time in the scripture saw Jesus say, after he heals somebody or something, say, now go to the synagogue every Saturday. You got to get plugged into a good synagogue. Let me tell you, if you will be the church, you will go out there and witness, people will follow you into this church. Right. You don't have to invite them. Yes. I'm just saying. All of our methods of trying to fill buildings, they ain't working. Right. They don't work. Next picture. <laughs> so I, I work out at Grand Valley, okay? So I'm in there with all these college kids, and this is where I train. And uh, I'm in there, and I'm walking out, and these two are walking by me. The girl in the middle, I forgot her name, um, she's, a, she's a star volleyball player. I didn't know this. I didn't know anything. I just saw this big thing on her leg, and she's walking like this. And, and I walk by them. You know, because when I'm in the workout, I'm in the zone, man. I don't want to do no Jesus stuff when I'm in the zone, unless he really breaks in on me. I mean, he got break in on me. So I walked by, and I just had this sinking feeling in my gut. I was, oh, all right, Lord, I know what's up. <laughs> so I walked by, and I said, hey, what did you do to your knee? She said, oh, I, I tore my, 
ACL and, and, and uh, I mean, a lot of pain and all this. And, and I says, well, where's your pain at on a scale of 1 to 10? If zero being no pain, 10, you can barely exist. She says, it's about an 8 constantly all the time. I says, well, don't, I don't know how you're going to take this, but it's all good. I don't care. I'm serious. I tell people that. I don't care. I don't care what you think. But I'm going to tell you, if you allow me to pray for this right now, Jesus will heal your knee, totally heal it. What did I do? I just took a big risk, right? I advertise big. Now, now this is the thoughts that a lot of people say. If I advertise big, I got to, no. No, you don't. It's him. We're responsible for the obedience. He's responsible for the results. Ooh, that'll preach. So I got down there and I prayed. And some, I asked her, I said, can you feel anything? She said, no, not really. I said, it doesn't matter because <laughs> it doesn't. And so I'm praying. And, 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 and instead of getting wordy and preaching a sermon over her knee, I just laid my hands on there. Awkward is all get out. <laughs> Jesus, do what you do. I'm just holding her knee. Looking around. <laughs> See who's looking at me. Who's this dude with his hand on this chick's leg? Huh? Then she says, what is that? She says, what is what? She says, I feel heat. It's very hot there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you're having a visit from the great physician right now. Huh? She's like, oh, my pain, it's going. Took my hands off. She says, Oh, my gosh. I says, can you do something you couldn't do before? And she, I mean, she was walking like this. She's like bending her knee. The other girl's over there crying. She's, she's crying. She's literally crying. And I'm like, what's going on? She says, oh, she's our star, and we're in this big game, big playoff game. And she, she ripped her knee, and we were devastated. The whole team's devastated. Now they're going to be happy that she can play. Now, now, this is another thing I hear from people. When they walk by and they see someone in need, well, it's, in, it's all God anyway, so it, he'll find somebody else to minister to him. That's a cop-out. I'm just going to tell you straight out, flat out, that's a cop-out. Because you let fear come in. No, yeah, he could, Jesus could, but he's asking you to do it. He's calling on you to do it. He's putting it on your heart to do it. Now, if I would have walked away from there and I would have disobeyed, I can almost guarantee you that chick would have went on with her damaged thing and she would have, because I don't know if she's ever going to be around another Christian. And in that college, it's likely not going to happen. So it's up to you. You have been divinely assigned and appointed to people that only you can reach. Don't take this wrong, Pastor. Don't invite people to church if you're thinking that's what's going to get them into the kingdom. You get them into the kingdom. And then bring a new member. Amen? Y'all staring at me like a dog at a new pan. Next... Next picture, next picture. Oh, remember this one? <laughs> so, 
me and your pastor, we meet periodically, and we have to meet halfway, because I'm in Grand Rapids, he's in St. Louis. So we go to Stanton. We go to this red brick thing, and that's where we... And people who know me, especially on my team and my family, I am a time Nazi. For me, 15 minutes early is on time. I cannot stand to be late because I'm people-oriented, and that's the way I am. I think more about the person that I'm meeting with than what needs to be done before I go there. For all you other people, it's okay. You'll get over it. We'll pray for you. You'll get delivered. It's okay. My wife is one of them. She says, what time do we have to be there? I'll say a half hour before we're supposed to. <laughs> she picks up on it now. She's like, we're just sitting here. <laughs> yeah, well, we're here on time. <laughs> so I'm driving. I'm looking at the GPS. In 10 minutes, I will reach lunch with Pastor at exactly two minutes to noon. Cool, got two minutes to spare, I'm on time, I'm just going down the road, doo -doo -doo, driving along. I see this guy, his name is Bob, and I pass his house, and there's a bunch of siding that he's loading into the back of the truck, and the Holy Spirit says, he is in pain, stop now. And I was like, oh, really? So I pulled my truck around. I pull up in his driveway. I got out. I said, hey, how you doing? And he's like, I'm okay, I think. And uh, I says, uh, my name's Mike, and you're going to think I'm crazy, but I was driving by you, and the Holy Spirit told me you were in a lot of pain. And he looks at me. How did you know that? The Spirit of God told me that you were in a lot of pain. Is that true? Yeah, I'm in constant pain all the time, all the way down my back. And uh, I was like, well, if you allow me to pray for you right now, Jesus will totally free you of all pain. Every bit of it will be gone right now. And he's, he looks at me like this, and he's, go for it. At least you're not going to beat me up. He literally said that. Because, <laughs> you know, I had a tight shirt on. I come out of there, hey, man, you know. <laughs> so... I lay my hands on him. Sometimes I can feel the anointing. Sometimes I can't. I felt it that time. I was like, dang, he's getting some good stuff. I prayed for him, and he's, I, I did the, you know, where's your pain at? And he's doing all this stuff, moving around, and, and he's like, I don't feel any pain. And just the tone and how, it was just such a relief sigh. I don't feel any pain. And the tears, and I says, you know, you know why Jesus healed you? Because he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He says, I pray to him a lot. I says, would you like a relationship with him? I would. I'm standing there bawling, me bawling. Accepted Jesus right in the driveway. Amen. Now, I don't know, I'm not good at guessing, but I'd say it was at least maybe 10 minutes that I was in the driveway with him. Guess what time I showed up for lunch? minutes before noon. I was, I was like, I remember, yeah, I was like, dude, this is, so I don't know, Pastor, you're going to think I'm nuts or something, but this is what happened. I told him. And I'm like, God, oh, this is cool. I can't wait to do the translating thing. 
you know, where you, you were in one city and then the next minute you're in another city? That's what I'm talking about. Forget the friendly skies. I'll never have to ride an airplane again. Sit on a cigar tube for hours, man, just to get somewhere. Whew, man, get me over there. Beam me over there, Lord. I'm telling you. This book of Acts, this is the way we're supposed to live every day. Doesn't matter who you are, what your gender is, what your economic status is, doesn't matter what your background is. Matter of fact, the worse your background, the better off you are. Yeah, you must be blessed. <laughs> he who's forgiven much loves much. God is love. He who's forgiven much, God's much. Where's the God muching? Hmm? So this is what the Holy Spirit's instructing me to do this morning. All right, one more. <laughs> ah, this is at the gun range. Some people relax by a fire with a book. I relax with a gun in my hand. And uh, I was letting off some steam, and this couple next to me, both of them, they were believers. And... Uh, and I knew it. I knew it prophetically. And I walked up to him, and I did not have a word. Words. You're getting them all the time. I guarantee you're getting them. Amen. But you're, 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 you're poo-fooing them off because, oh, it must be just me. It's, everything's about me. Get over yourself. Seriously. You know, I've missed it too. I've stepped out and said stuff and was totally wrong, or at least it seemed like it. Who cares? I mean, our forefathers were under threat of death. They didn't care. We're afraid of getting embarrassed. Really? People's lives are hanging on the line. This ain't a Christian club where we get our life blessed and life's going to be easier. When we got saved, all hell broke loose. I walked up to him. I didn't even have anything. I just, I just started to say something. I said, the Lord wants me to tell you something. I had nothing. I had nothing. I, I didn't know in my head. In my head, by the way, I'm going, oh, my gosh, I hope this is not one of those times where I'm missing it. There's firearms involved. <laughs> you know? And, and I says, uh, that new level you're going to be going up into, it's going to happen sooner than you think. And they looked at me, praise the Lord. And I was like, Phew. <laughs> <laughs> hallelujah, I could get away with yeah. They were praying about a new level, a new promotion in their job, and they were thinking it was going to happen like, too far off and they were starting to lose hope and when I said that word to them they just lit up like a Christmas tree why that happened because I'm an evangelist no nobody knew me there as a van I didn't come in hey evangelist Mike is here to put holes in paper I'm the great evangelist I have an anointing on me no that didn't happen because I'm an evangelist nobody most all these people don't even know who I was they could care less. It happened because I'm a son, because I got Jesus in me, yep. and because I took risk. There you go. 
That's the formula. You got Jesus in you? Point one. Take risk. Take risk. Step out. You know, some people who play the game of the devil, golf, You'd be out there on the drive, you'd be out there on the range, the links, whatever you call it, and you're out there swinging at that little ball, trying to get it in that little hole for hours, spending ungodly amounts of money on metal sticks with a big head at the end, <laughs> making sure the little ball doesn't go in the water or in the, the roof. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I know. And then they go to play a game, and if they miss a shot, guaranteed, if you're a real golfer, <laughs> you are not going to throw your clubs away and quit. Come on. Anything in life that you're passionate about, you're going to keep doing it until you perfect it or get the best that you can at. So why don't we start doing that with our faith? Come on now. Huh? When you fail fast, fail first, and fail frequently, that is the formula to success. I speak to businesses and corporations. I tell them that is the main component to success right there. Fail first, fail fast, and fail frequently, and you'll succeed. People who stay stuck are because they're afraid of failing. You're stuck in your spiritual life. It's fear. I guarantee it's, it's fear-based. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. 